Hey, good morning. Okay, I've been asked to see if we can, do we still need him to scoot to the middle? Yes? Okay, so we need, if you can, if there's any space toward the middle from you, if you will scoot. We still have people trying to get in uh, this morning, and we're trying to create that room. Thank you for doing that. Okay, we are in uh, the middle of a uh, sermon series on uh, marriage. We've entitled it uh, Hitched. We have got a ton of material that we're going to attempt to cover uh, today, so we're just going to like dive in and get going, see how far we can get. So if you'll grab your Bibles, and we're going to go back to the passage we were in last week, Ephesians chapter 5. So you can take your Bible, you go to the very back of your Bible, turn left, you're going to come to this book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, so while you're going there, so there's this couple, 50th wedding anniversary, and uh, they make the decision that they're going to go for their 50th wedding anniversary to the Holy Land and uh, just kind of see where Jesus walked, go to the places where he did the Sermon on the Mount, just a way of making the Bible kind of come alive, 50th wedding anniversary. So they get over uh, to Israel, get on the bus, and uh, the wife uh, immediately begins to just chew, 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 chew. He can't, the husband can't get off the bus quick enough. He didn't pack the right things. He's walking too slow. I mean, it's just, it's just incessant. Third day of the trip, she has a heart attack and dies. So now he gets off the tour and he's got to figure out how to get her body shipped back to the United States. And so he's meeting with government officials. And uh, turns out there is just a stack of paperwork that you have to do to get the body uh, moved across international lines. Uh, it's about $7,500 uh, to get that done. And the government official can tell that this is causing second thoughts for the husband. And so he says to him, look, my uh, brother-in-law is a mortician, owns a funeral home here in Israel. And for $1,000, we can just bury your wife here in Israel, won't have to worry about any of the paperwork, we could do that. To which the husband pauses for a moment, thinks to himself, and then says, no, I'm thinking we better get her back to the United States. So the government official says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll talk to my brother-in-law, I bet I can get it down to $750. So that would be one-tenth of what it's going to cost you, there wouldn't be any paperwork, we can, we can just get it taken care of. And the husband thinks again for a moment and says, no, we better, we better get her back to the United States. To which the government official then says, so explain this to me, help me out. One-tenth the cost, why? why? Why is it so important to get her back? To which the husband then explains, if I've got the story right, about 2,000 years ago, someone died here, was buried, and rose again three days later. <laughs> I just can't run that risk. <laughs> okay, so we're going to run a little bit of risk, risk today together, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to uh, dig into Scripture uh, and just talk about this thing called marriage uh, together. Now, if, if, if you were here last week, you, you remember that in this passage in Ephesians, that God really simply said this, look, look, I know this is counterintuitive, I know this is not natural, I know this is not what you would normally do, but husbands, 
if you don't do anything else right within your relationship with your wife, if, if you never accomplish the things you set out to accomplish, if you never land where you thought you were going to land, if you never succeed at the things you thought you were going to succeed at, do this one thing right. And he said to husbands, love your wives. Bring that to the marriage. Simply do that. And what we discovered last week is that that is incredibly challenging for a man to do, at least on the level that his wife always hoped he would do it. Men naturally love in bits and pieces. Men give portions of their heart at a time, and yet every woman longs to be loved with abandon. And so God said, men, that's your goal. That's your mission. Give your heart fully and completely to your wife and watch how she responds. God then came back to the women and said, look, it's going to be so natural for you to try to pour your love and affection on your husband. But the reality is your husband probably is not insecure about your love and affection. Matter of fact, it's not the thing that drives his heart. That what your husband is hoping for from his wife is that you will give him a place, a place of honor and respect that from the time he was a little boy, he hoped there was a woman who would allow him to be the hero in their relationship. So he says to the women, look, 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 if you don't do anything else right within the relationship, would you offer your husband respect? And maybe, maybe most importantly, in the moments when it's hard to respect him, Maybe most importantly in the moments when you know he's making a mistake, when you're absolutely certain that he hasn't thought it through, he hasn't considered, he's absolutely gone off on a tangent, in that moment, God says, would you offer respect? In the same way that he says to the husband, look, 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 in the moments when she's reacting and she's saying things that wound your heart, and, and, and in that moment seems to be so deeply disrespectful, in that moment when you're wounded, and she seems completely unlovable, would you in that moment offer your heart to her? And God said, if you would simply do this, it has the power to transform your relationship. Now the reality is, and what we discovered last week is, is that one of the reasons most of us in this room are struggling so deeply, so profoundly in our relationship is simply because this is so unnatural to do. That instead what tends to happen is that the wife looks at a moment and says, I, I can't believe he's deciding that. I can't believe that he would think that way. Matter of fact, it feels like he's withdrawing from me, that he's doing something that's completely self-centered and didn't even consider me. And in that moment, when a wife feels unloved, she intuitively, she naturally begins to verbalize those feelings, to say out loud, hey, wait, 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 wait. How can, how did you, why would you? That in the hearing of a man, when she begins to verbalize that way, it sounds, you ready? Deeply, deeply condemning, deeply disrespectful. He hears, you're failing. I'm not sure. I believe in you. I, I can't remember why I chose you in the hearing of a man. When a man believes that he's being disrespected, he immediately reacts, most often with withdrawal, 
most often with retreat, he basically says, and he pulls back, which to the heart of a woman looks incredibly unloving. And as she sees him become even more unloving, she begins to verbalize even more, which he takes as being even deeper disrespect. And as he receives that disrespect, he becomes more isolated, less loving. And we this is the crazy cycle. That, that many of our relationships, if we were honest, we'd say, it is incredible. We fight so violently. We fight so hard and so severely over stuff that if you really, really stopped and thought about it, don't mean that much. But the problem is in the midst of our arguing, in the midst of our fighting, in the midst of our disagreement, I feel deeply disrespected. And she would say, I feel completely unloved and ununderstood and unmet. It's called the crazy cycle. And you stay on the crazy cycle long enough, pretty soon you'll say, the only thing I think is crazy is staying. So we come to today and we say, all right, well, what would it mean to get off? How, how could you and I break the crazy cycle? What would it mean to just turn this thing around? And Scripture is going to answer that question. So back to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're actually going to go to verse 21. It's the verse before all the verses that we shared together last week. And it simply says this, but guys, catch, catch the power in what's about to be said to us. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, initial thought, most of us men are going, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought it was her job to submit. I mean, wasn't that what she was doing? This is confusing me. This passage is not talking about submitting to position or submitting to authority or submitting to respect. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about submitting my needs. It's, it's saying to a man, look, 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 look. You've got dreams about what marriage is supposed to look like. You've got ideas about how she's supposed to behave and what a good... You've got, you've got, you've got this list. Men... What would happen if you took your list, submitted your list, and said within the context of marriage, my list is going to be subservient, submitted below your list. I will make your list my priority, not my list. In this moment, God is saying to the wives, wives, See, you've dreamed about this all your life. You've got a list. You, you've got what you always hoped he would be like, how you always hoped he would perform, what you always hoped a husband would do and be. What if, God is saying, what if you took your list and in absolute love for him said, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to let my list be less important than your list. I'm going to be the wife you always hoped for, and I'm going to meet your list. Submitting my wants, my desires, to the desires of my spouse. And God says, if you'll consider doing that, you'll break the crazy cycle. Now, million-dollar question, what does that list look like? 
What is it that men always hoped for for marriage? What, what is that grid that men run marriage through and say, this is, this is what it needs to look like? This is what success in marriage is. What is the grid that women run marriage through and say, no, 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 a successful, happy, fulfilling marriage has these things in it. What does that list look like? And if you take that list and if you boil it down, the interesting thing is men have two things that define for them a successful, happy, fulfilling marriage. Women have two things that define for them successful, happy, fulfilling marriages. So here's the question. What's on the list? So ladies, here's what I'm going to ask. If you're going to, if you're going to take your list, put it here, and then fulfill his list out of respect, if he's going to take his list, place it here, and fulfill your list out of love, what's on the list? So ladies, just think about it for a second. What would be, if you took a man, boiled him down, asked him to define what a healthy, happy, fulfilling marriage looked like, what do you think the two things on his list would be? Men, if, if I was going to ask you, boil a woman down, search the mystery of life, what's the two things you think are going to be on her list? Because if, if I'm going to let my list be less than her list, if I'm going to let my list be less than his list, I need to know what's on the list. Ladies, guess, what do you think is on men's list? The things that boil down to the core of a successful, fulfilling marriage. What do you think? Sex. I love it. The first woman all morning has been brave enough to say that out loud. Sex. They were going sports, toys. I'm going, are you married to men? Come on. Sex. What else? Money. No. Huh? Food. There you go. Sex and food. That, you do that, you make a man happy. Sex, food. You guys are so close. All right, here you go. Here you go, ladies. I'm going to help. Sex, accomplishment. Deep within the desire and the heart of every man, and as he runs through the grid of successful marriage, here's what he asks. Will it move me further along in success? Will it get me more sex? That's, that's all he's asking. Those two things. Move us forward. Get me more sex. I'm a pretty happy. That's success. That's fulfilling marriage for a man. Men, any guesses on the ladies? You know, here in the interesting thing, many women wouldn't be able to tell you the list. Their heart knows it. They'd have a hard time verbal. Anyone know? Anyone want to guess? Affection. Close. Money. Yes. No, I'm teasing. But it's close. Security. Tiffany's. There you go. Security. <laughs> Tiffany's. You guys are on. Now, security, happiness. Security, happiness. And, and if you boil it down, if you ask a woman, what does successful marriage look like, it'll fit in one of those two categories, security or happiness. Now, here's what happens. Catch this moment, guys. Catch this. If you can catch what we're about to say right now, it'll make the rest of today make some sense. We date. And in the process of dating, she begins to send all sorts of signals to him you're loved, I care about you, I want you, you're the man I always dreamed of. In the process of dating, he begins to send all sorts of signals to her. I love you, 
I'm the guy you've been waiting for. I'm the man who's going to fulfill your heart. And in the process, you ready, of her receiving his love, guess what she naturally and intuitively does back? She naturally looks at him in favor. She naturally in her eyes says, you're the man. You're the man I dreamed from. You're the man I've always hoped for, to which he receives as respect, which causes him to be even more affectionate and loving toward her, to which she then says, oh my goodness, this, this is the guy. All he needs to do is fulfill me with security and give me the ring. Okay? Boom, boom. Dating. Now, here's the problem. <clears throat> D- <clears throat> Dating gets done. And in that moment, when we stop the courting process, she begins to work on the list, security and happiness. She goes to pursue. Dating is done. Courting is over. Guess what he does? He goes to work on the list, sex, accomplishment. And all of a sudden, for the first time, They've turned their backs. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk today about what a guy can do to break the cycle. Okay? So we're just going to talk about that a little bit today. Next week, we're going to come back from the other direction. We're going to say, what can a wife do? What can a gal do to break the crazy cycle? Okay? Men, I'm going to talk to you real straight today, real straightforward. I'm not going to beat you up. I'm going to encourage you. But here's the thing. I'm going to give you a fat pitch today. I'm going to give you the opportunity to knock a ball right out of the ballpark. I'm going to give you a chance to be the hero in the relationship. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Swing away. Swing with all your might. And watch the heart of your wife turn. Now here's the Here's the part that's going to be tough for you and me, guys. Because if you're living in the crazy cycle, I'm going to ask you to do something that is absolutely loving, absolutely pursuing of her. And it may be if you're in the middle of the crazy cycle, she's in the middle of speaking to you and telling you about her dissatisfaction. And in that moment, it feels deeply disrespectful to your heart. And you're saying, why in the world would I respond with love and affection toward a woman who is rejecting me? Because someone, someone's got to be the hero. And I'm going to ask you to push through. I'm going to ask you to ignore the moment and win her heart. I'm going to ask you to go first. Okay, so let's just talk. Let's talk about what would that look like when a man takes his dreams and desires for marriage and says to his wife, I will let my dreams and desires be number two, and I will chase you. Guys, remember the energy of the courtship? Remember remember the wonder of the chase? She's desperately hoping that'll happen again. See, here's what happens. We get married, and a guy goes, 
Got that done. Job over. Okay? He's been chasing her, pursuing her, courting her, but here's what, he caught her. And in the mind and the heart of a guy, he goes, okay, now i got to go back and work on the list. The list of other accomplishments I'm going to do. i, I, I got to get busy with getting my education finished. i got to begin to work up and down the corporate ladder. i, I, I got to secure a better home for us. I, I, I need to figure out how to buy some ATVs for Saturday. He's working the list. He's, he's working accomplishment. Watch what happens in the heart of a woman. He was chasing. He was pursuing. He was courting. And then he caught her. And when he caught her, he said, job done. And he turned away and went back to the list. Can I just say to you that when a man does that to the heart of a woman, she hears, I tricked you, I deceived you, I won you, and now I'm done. And she immediately says, then you're not the man. It's when she first begins to say, hey, where did you go? See, when you say this to most men, they go, what, 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 do you, what, what, what does she want? She wants you to chase her still. To which most men go, why? <laughs> I caught her already. Wouldn't that be redundant? Okay, okay. Okay, so ladies, give me room. Give me room. I'm talking to men, so i got to talk men talk for a minute, okay? i gotta, I got to talk... Blue talk for a minute, okay? So, no offense. I've got a little puppy at home. His name is Thor Thunder. He's about that big. I get home in the evening, and every single evening, here's what I know Thor Thunder is going to do. We've got this little rag toy, and Thor Thunder, the moment he sees, is going to run get the rag toy. He's going to come over to my chair and sit there and whine until I play fetch with him. Got to... And then you throw it, and comes on back. Throw it. Now, what if I said to Thor, hey, Thor, what are you, a dumb dog? Why, why do you want to play fetch? We already fetched. You get the moment, right? It's the joy of the play. Men. Why does your wife want to play chase with you? It's the joy of the play. It's what it does to her heart to be pursued by her man. And what she said to you that day when she walked down that aisle was, please tell me, please tell me, please tell me that you're the man that will love me more than his list. Tell me that you're the man that will spend the rest of his life chasing me, catching me, and then doing it all over again. So what does that look like? How would a man do that? You ready? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. 
taking my list and saying my list isn't as important as your list. Let's talk about how to make you feel secure and happy because your list is going to be more important than mine. Okay, so here we go. Way number one. Way number one that a man pursues a woman, chases a woman. You ready? Conversation. Conversation. Remember when you were dating? You had all sorts of stuff to talk about, all sorts of things to say. And you hear, guys, guys, women bond in conversation. There's something that happens in the heart of a woman by simply sharing her ideas and thoughts. It's not about being right or wrong. It's not even a lot of times about being fixed. It's just the sharing of the journey that bonds the heart of a woman. How many men have caught on? Women like to talk. How many guys are going, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Three men were brave enough to raise their hand. The rest of you, <clears throat> think, picture this, picture a moment. Two couples get together. They haven't seen each other for six months. They're sitting in the booth at the restaurant. You tell me, what are the women doing? <laughs> Probably at the same time, because God gave women this incredible gift to be able to talk and hear at the same moment. It's just, it's just remarkable. No man would ever go there. What are the guys, haven't seen each other for six months, sitting in the same booth, what are they doing? How's work? Okay. Killed anything lately? No. Built anything lately? No. They're done. They're done. Eh? Six months. Done. Not so the heart of a woman. Not so the heart of a woman. They did a study on four-year-old girls, four-year-old boys. They found that four-year-old girls, when they play together, guess how much of the play was built around conversation? 90%. Not stuff, not tease. 90% of the play was conversational. Little boys, four-year-old little boys playing together. Anyone want to guess how much of it was conversational? 20%. The rest of it was... And then you build it so you can... Again. So this... This doesn't come, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come naturally. Well, here's, guys, guys, guys. Here's what you need to hear me say. Women enjoy talking merely for the pleasure of it in the same way that a man enjoys having sex merely for the pleasure of it. She does. She enjoys sharing, connecting, describing what's going on in her life for the sheer pleasure of giving that information and of receiving that information for the same way that a man says, I like having sex just for the... So here's what happens. A woman says, let's talk. What she's really saying is, can we connect can we bond? Can we move closer? Let's talk. He says, 
Sure. What about? <laughs> because to a male, talking is the dissemination of information. So he's saying, hey, is there something I didn't know? Is there something I missed? What do you need to let me know that I don't know? Sure, what are we going to talk about? When she says, can we talk? Can we connect? Can we bond? And he says, sure, what about? Here's what she hears. I'm not interested. Why would I want to bond with you? Why would I waste my time connecting? It would be the same thing if you said to your wife, hey, you know what? Want to head to the bedroom this evening? And she said, why? <laughs> Are we planning on having more kids? Will you connect with me? What for? Now, ladies, you, you need to understand something. This is not natural for a man. It's not intuitive for a man. And, and the truth is, sometimes it's hard for a man uh, to have conversation with a woman. Part of this is because the brain of a woman is kind of like spaghetti. Okay? It, it's, it's a bunch of noodles that all kind of cross each other and intersect. And within the mind of a woman, she can be talking down one noodle and jump to the other noodle <laughs> without warning. This is, this is mind-boggling to a man. Okay? So she can be going, oh, you know, the other day I was talking to Tracy and she bought a new pair of shoes at the mall, and you know what, I don't like going to the mall. Do you like going to the mall? It's so hard to park at the mall. You know what, I was thinking a new car would be really, really nice, but you know, we can't. <laughs> men's brains are not wired that way. Uh, men's brains are more like waffles, okay? And, and every topic has a square, it has a box. And, and, and men talk inside. The, you don't leave the box. It, it's, it's a box. It's a topic. And ladies here, can I just say to you, this will help a little bit. Men actually have an empty box. There is a box in a man's brain of nothingness. Okay? It, it's why. There'll be a moment you'll, go, you'll say to him, what are you thinking about? And he goes, nothing. <laughs> now, this does not make sense to a woman because... She's going, there's no way, there, there's no such thing as nothing. <laughs> and so she thinks, you must be thinking about something you shouldn't be thinking about. What are you thinking about? And now he's going, oh no, oh no, oh no, she found me in the empty box. Think of close boxes, close boxes. <laughs> cars. I was thinking about cars. No, he wasn't. He was thinking about nothing. <laughs> Ladies. When that moment comes, when, when that moment of conversation happens, you will help him because his natural inclination is to talk in boxes, his natural inclination is to try to fix the problems, his natural inclination is to respond. You will help him if you will talk linear. Kind of like a five-year-old. If you'll talk linear, <laughs> okay, this will help him, okay? He'll stay engaged uh, much, much better, okay? 
here's what you need to get. Conversation. Guys, 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 guys. Conversation may be the number one way in which a woman's tank is filled. If you don't talk to her, someone will. I had a gal a while back came to me. And she said, you know, I've, I've, I've had an affair. And it's over. I knew it was wrong. It, it's, it's been a year ago. I can't stop thinking about him, the other guy. And I said, why? You ready? He was interested in me. Conversation. May be the number one way in which the tank of a woman is filled. One way that we practice nut around the winter's home, because I'm just like every guy in this room, it's not natural for me, we made a date night. We just set a night aside that Lisa knows we're going to go out. And if we get to date night, Thursday night, and we haven't done enough, she knows. She knows there's an appointment with me in which we're going to have a chance to talk. And as we go out to dinner together, it only takes about 90% of my brain to chew my food. (laughs) And that with the other 10%, a conversation might happen. She knows there's a, there's a moment in which her husband will spend time hearing her, connecting with her. Guys, I'm just going to say one of those powerful things you could do to your wife. Say, here's an evening. It's you, it's me. And we can just talk. Second thing, loving touch. <laughs> this is loving touch. Women receive affection through loving, non-sexual touch. Okay, can I get an amen from the women? Amen. Amen. Preach it, brother. You're finally on fire. All right. (laughs) Two women haven't seen each other for a while. They meet together. They begin to, but what are they also doing? Come on, guys. You've seen them. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yes. Oh, oh. Can you imagine two guys doing that? Hey, dude, I died. Yeah. Matter of fact, matter of fact, matter of fact, you get a guy, you get a guy and force him into a situation where he feels like he's supposed to hug another guy, you realize he will hug another guy according to guy rules. Because in the mind of a guy, it's very hard to have touch and it not have any sexual implications. So a guy, when he goes to hug another guy, you do the lean in, right? <laughs> So you make sure that none of your body touches. You lean in. And then you reach around and you pat him on the back three times. Which is guy code for, okay, it's time to let go now. And and if he doesn't let go after three pats, the next three pats are much more violent. Which is guy code for, you better let go, dude, or I'm going to hurt you. Okay? Because it's hard. It's hard for a guy to offer touch and not think sexual. Not so with your wife. Matter of fact, she longs for you to simply affectionately come, hold her, touch her, and it be nothing more than about her. And when you do that, it fills her tank. Matter of fact, they did a survey a while back of married women who were happy in their marriage, asked them, how many times a day does your husband touch you? Will you write it down? Average happily married woman, their husband touched them, you ready? Nine to ten times a day. Had a guy who heard me talk about this a couple years back. Next morning, went to his wife. 
One, two, three. He said, that ought to hold you till dinner. You, you get that that's not it, right? That there, that there is something powerful to the soul of a woman when a man holds her, puts his arm around her, puts his hand on her leg. And, and it means nothing more than I am here, I am with you, and we're okay. It fills her tank. Guys, let me, let me see if I can help you a little bit. Dear friend of mine, guy by the name of Charlie Scanlon. Charlie Scanlon was one of those kids when he grew up, was always in trouble, always in trouble. You looked at Charlie Scanlon and said, this guy will never turn out. He had a best friend named Jim, and Jim and Charlie were like matches and gasoline. Just absolute, all through grade school, all through junior high, all through high school. They get to college. Charlie takes off for college. Jim stays in the hometown. While Charlie's gone, Charlie hears about Jesus Christ, makes a decision that literally sends his life in a completely different direction. Charlie's not the old Charlie. And Charlie begins to think to himself, you know what, somewhere, somehow, I, I, need, I need to share this. I need to tell my friend Jim about what's happened to me. But that's not a conversation you have with a lifelong buddy over the phone. So the next time I make it back to San Diego, I'll sit down face-to-face -face with Jim phone call comes. It's Jim's mom. And Jim's mom says, Charlie, I know, I know you haven't seen Jim in a while, but he was in a car accident last night. The funeral's on Friday. I was hoping you might come and you might say some words. So here's Charlie heading to his best friend's funeral, filled with grief, filled with with guilt for all the things he should have said to his friend and never said. They do the funeral. Charlie says his part. Gets to that part in the funeral where everyone goes walking to the front, you know, walks past the casket. Little eight-year-old girl walks up to the casket, Polaroid camera, flash, <coughs> takes a picture of Jim. And there was just something about the moment. There was just something that felt deeply, profoundly wrong and disrespectful to Charlie. And Charlie leapt up and started down the aisle. He was going to go tackle that little eight-year-old girl. Charlie's pastor saw, saw the moment, ran up behind Charlie and threw his arms around Charlie and simply whispered in his ear, I'm here, and it's okay. Charlie, years later, talking about that moment in a crowd of hundreds of people said, it was as if when his arms went around me, every bit of my frustration, every bit of my guilt, every bit of my anger melted. Men, there is something when you place your arms around your wife. After the day has gone bad and the kids have screamed and work didn't go right and the mother-in-law said some snide remark, and when you put your arm, when you place your hand and simply say, I am here and we're okay, that deeply and profoundly fills her tank. And men, men in the room who have daughters, if you and I don't figure out some way to affectionately put our arms around our daughters,
there's a whole string of 16-year-old boys who will find a way to fill their tank. Okay, so we're, at, we're out of time. So let me... How does this work? How does this change everything? Because in the moment that a man says, I'm going to put my list aside and I'm going to submit my list below your list and I am going to re-engage with you, my wife. I am going to chase you. Ready? For the joy of chasing. And when I catch you, we're going to do it all over again. I, you ready for this? Because I am the man. I am the man that loves you more than his list. And therefore, I will turn toward you and I will pursue you until I catch you again and again. Men, there is nothing as vibrant as a woman who's being pursued. There is nothing as energizing as a woman who is being chased by her man. It breaks the cycle because here's what happens. She suddenly feels loved. It is natural and intuitive for her then to look back at that man, were you ready? With respect and admiration and physical attraction to the man who is filling her heart. He suddenly goes, oh my goodness. Have you seen the way she looks at me? She's attracted to me. He then naturally responds more lovingly, to which she then responds and turns back and says, you are the best. I look at all of my friends' husbands. You are the most amazing. And what used to be the crazy cycle now becomes the energizing cycle of a woman who feels loved, who offers to her man respect, and a man who feels respected who immediately responds by offering more love. And it energizes our homes. How? When a man says, I will place my needs and I will chase yours. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we're just going to be honest. This, this, feels, this feels scary and unnatural. I guarantee you there are men in this room, God, who are sitting here saying, but if you just knew how disrespectful my wife is, if you knew the words she has used against my soul, and I'm simply asking today, would you fill the hearts of the men of Cornerstone with courage? Courage to push through disapproval, words that wound, and to simply say, I choose. I choose to submit my list below yours. I choose to chase the wife of my youth and to win her heart over and over and over again. I choose to be the hero of our home. That every husband in this room would be able to say to his wife, I'm the man. I'm the man you longed for when you were a little girl. I am the man you hoped for on our wedding day. I'm the man who will love you more than anything on his own list.
God, give us the courage to do that. In Jesus' precious name, amen.